0: It is good to be here today on this Mother's Day, I'd like to express my appreciation for all of the mothers who are here and I have a special prayer uh, for our mothers today on this Mother's Day. Heavenly Father, we come before you today and uh, we do thank you and we praise you uh, for your goodness and your faithfulness to us. We thank you Lord for the gift of Mother's Lord, thank you for the gift of my mother and Lord Jesus, we just uh, celebrate all that they have done for us, all that they have uh, given for us on this day, and Lord, we also acknowledge today that this can be a painful day for for many people, acknowledging that oftentimes people avoid church on Mother's Day due to uh, the pain of it. Um, So Lord, we we pray for those now who um, are going through difficulties today. Uh, Lord, due to the fact that for some, uh, the desire to become a mother was never fulfilled, and Um, Lord, for many uh, people are grieving because they have uh, lost their mother. So Lord, we thank you that you are the God of all peace, the God of all grace. And Lord, in the midst of things we don't understand, uh, you surround us and uh, you give us the comfort and the hope that we need uh, in life. And so Lord, we pray uh, this prayer. Gracious Father, we pray. We pray for new mothers, mothers who are coming to terms with both the joys and the demands of motherhood. We pray for pregnant mothers, expectant and wondering or fearful. For those mothers who are tired, who are stressed, who are ill or depressed. For those who struggle to balance the demands of work and children. For those who have to struggle with difficult decisions about whether or not to become a mother. For those who are unable to feed their children due to poverty. For those whose children have physical, mental, or emotional disabilities. For those who have children they do not want. For those who raise children not their own. For those who have lost a child through death. For those who care for the children of others. For those whose children have left home. For those whose children have rejected their love. And for those whose desire to be a mother has not been fulfilled. So we pray that you would bless all mothers, that their love may be deep and tender, and that they, may be led, that they may lead their children to know you, to serve you, to do what is good, living not for themselves, but for Jesus and others. We also pray for those who have lost their mothers to death, knowing that today is very painful and difficult. Comfort them in the reality of the resurrection. We pray all of this in the name of Jesus Christ and by the power of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Today we go to our gospel lesson from John chapter 17. John chapter 17. So if you have your Bibles or if you'd like to follow along on the screen, you can do that. Here today we come to this portion of John's gospel, which is called the High Priestly Prayer. This is where Jesus, Jesus, our high priest... Uh prays. He prays not only for himself, but he also prays for us. John chapter 17, verses 6 through 19. Here Jesus is praying. He prays, I have manifested your name to the people whom you gave me out of the world. Yours they were, and you gave them to me. And they have kept your word. Now they know that everything that you have given me is from you. Holy Father, keep them in your name, which you have given me, that they may be one, even as we are one. While I was with them, I kept them in your name, which you have given me. I have guarded them, and no one, and not one of them has been lost, except the son of destruct- destruction, that the scripture might be fulfilled. But now I am coming to you. In these things I speak in the world. That they, may be, that they may have my full joy, joy fulfilled in themselves. I have given them your word, and the world has hated them because they are not of the world, just as I am not of the world. I do not ask that you take them out of the world, but that you keep them from the evil one. They are not of the world, just as I am not of the world. Sanctify them in the truth. Your word is truth, as you sent me into the world, so I have sent them into the world, and for their sake I consecrate myself that they also may be sanctified in truth. And this is the gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, O Christ. So here we come now to this portion of the gospel of John, which is called the High Priestly Prayer. In these verses which we just read, Jesus prayed for his disciples. Did you know that Jesus is our high priest? He is your high priest. He is the one who is continually making intercession on your behalf. Did you know that? Jesus is always praying for you, He is always interceding before the Father on your behalf. He is your advocate before the Father, interceding on your behalf. Jesus prays for you. Not just in this moment of the Gospel of John, but he's always praying, always interceding for you. And this is the mysterious relationship of the triune God, of Father, Son, and Holy Spirit in divine oneness. Now Jesus prayed. He prayed. And this very fact ought to teach us something about the importance of prayer in our lives. In other words, if Jesus prayed, how much more do we need to pray? Think about it. Think about it. The importance of prayer. Prayer is a key aspect of our lives as children of our Heavenly Father. Prayer is the great invitation of God that we would come before a righteous and holy God to develop with him a relationship and to bring before him those needs that we have in our lives. And Jesus prayed, and if he prayed, we too must understand the vital importance of prayer. Matthew uh, chapter 7, it's in your notes if you uh, have notes today. Matthew chapter 7 verses 7 through 11. Here is this great invitation to pray from the Sermon on the Mount. Jesus says, Ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and it will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives and the one who seeks finds and to the one who knocks it will be opened. Or which of you if his son asks for bread will give him a stone or if he asks for a fish will give him a serpent? If you then, who are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father who is in heaven give good gifts to those who ask him? Did you hear the invitation to pray? This is your heavenly Father. And your heavenly Father is is calling you into this relationship of prayer. He is saying, come before me, ask, and it will be given. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and the door will be opened to you. In Jesus' last bit of teaching before the cross, he reminds the disciples of prayer no less than three times. So in the last hours that, that, that Jesus has with his disciples before he goes to the cross, he reminds them of prayer in the Gospel of John no less than three times. John chapter 14, verses 13 through 14. Jesus says, Whatever you ask in my name, this I will do, that my Father may be glorified in the Son. If you ask me anything in my name, I will do it. You see, Jesus knew that he was heading for the cross, he knew that he was leaving the disciples, and he needed to remind them of the importance of prayer. John 15, 7, if you abide in me and my words abide in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. John 15, 16, whatever you ask the Father in my name, he may give it to you. Prayer, prayer is vital, it is vitally important, and prayer is powerful, and you, you have been invited to be a person of prayer. God himself has invited you to come before his throne with all of your requests, with all of the difficulties that you face in life, with your joy. To develop a relationship with him through this gift of prayer. And Jesus prayed. Jesus prayed. So we are called to pray. But Jesus prayed. Not only did Jesus teach the disciples to pray, pray, Jesus himself understood the the vital importance of prayer. He understood the importance of prayer in his life. Now think of this. Who is Jesus? Who is Jesus? We confess that Jesus is is true God, and we confess that he is true man. Now, if there's anybody who ever lived who we would think didn't need to pray, it would be Jesus, right? But even Jesus himself understands how vitally important prayer is. We confess That Jesus is, in the Nicene Creed, that Jesus is God from God, light from light, true God from true God, begotten, not made, of one being with the Father. And we also confess this, that through him, through Jesus, all things were made. This universe was spoken into existence by the word of Jesus. He's the one. Have you ever studied or even uh, thought about how vast this universe is? It is absolutely unbelievable. It is unbelievable. We cannot even begin to wrap our minds around how big this universe is. And Jesus is the one who spoke it into existence. And he understood. He got it. He knew how important prayer is. Not only was and is Jesus true God, we confess Jesus is true man. This is one of those strange paradoxes within theology, right? We say Jesus is a hundred percent God, but we also confess he's, he was a hundred percent man. The creed says for us and for our salvation, he became truly human. He became truly human. The second person of the Holy Trinity became a human being in the person of Jesus Christ for you and for your salvation. Jesus, true God and true man, prays. Jesus understands the, the vital necessity and the, the power of prayer. In Luke chapter 5, verse 16, we read but he would often withdraw to desolate places and pray. So we read in the Gospels that over and over again, Jesus would go. He would go sometimes to the mountains, sometimes into the wilderness, and there he would, he would pray. Jesus understood that he needed to be dependent upon his Father. In his humanity, in his flesh, he had to have that vital connection with the Heavenly Father. You see, in his flesh, Jesus understood the vital necessity and the power of prayer. Jesus needed the Father. You see, Jesus faced every temptation that we face. He is absolutely familiar with the temptations and the difficulties that we face in life. Because he was tempted in every way that we are According to Hebrews, with one difference, he did not sin. He did not commit sin. But he understands, he he understands the frailty of our human flesh because he was 100% man. So he got it. He knew he had to be dependent upon his Father. If Jesus understood the necessity and power of prayer, how much more should we understand prayer and then become a people of prayer? So yes, prayer is vitally necessary. It was necessary for Jesus and his humanity, and it is for us. But really what I want to zero in on today is is how Jesus prays for us. So in John chapter 17, we get this, Jesus understood the necessity of prayer, and he prays for us. He prays for you. He prays for his disciples. So if Jesus is going to pray for us, how does he pray for us? How does Jesus pray for you? So the next point is how Jesus prays for us. Our reading from John 17 takes us to the portion of Jesus' prayer, where Jesus prays for the disciples and, and their mission in the world. And I believe that this prayer, this portion of the prayer that we read today, applies to us also. In this section of the High Priestly Prayer, Jesus is praying not only for the disciples who had followed him during his earthly ministry, but us too, because we too are disciples. Did you know that you're a disciple of Jesus Christ? Sometimes it it, it might be difficult for us to to refer to ourselves as disciples because when we think of disciple, we think of the 12. And we think that the 12 are much better than we are. They're more holy than us. They're more righteous than us. Um, But really, when you study the disciples, you learn that they were just really ordinary people. Like you and me. So as Christians, we are disciples. To be a Christian is to be a disciple. It is to be a follower of Jesus Christ. So as Jesus prays for his disciples, we we can apply this to ourselves too, because we too are disciples of the Lord Jesus Christ. We are followers of his. So how does Jesus pray for us? Well, it, it seems as if, Jesus is very concerned about the Word, the Word. He has a concern for the Word and our lives. John 17, 17, Jesus says, Sanctify them in the truth, your Word is truth. Sanctify them in the truth, your Word is truth. And there are a number of times in these verses from John chapter 17 where the word is mentioned. And you can look at that on your own. So Jesus is concerned about the word. The word. Jesus' mission was a mission of preaching, right? Jesus went about and he preached the word. Jesus imparted the word of the Father to the disciples. The disciples believed the word of Jesus. And in believing the word of Jesus... They were believing the word of the Father. So everything the Father had given to Jesus was now given to the disciples. So the message, the word was given to Jesus and the disciples received it. And in receiving it, they believed the word of God. But it goes much deeper than this. Not only had they believed in the word that Jesus preached, which was from the Father, they believed in Jesus himself. This is key. Many people have opened the Bible. And in the Bible, they have found things that they agree with. They have have read the teachings of Jesus, and with many of the teachings of Jesus, they are in agreement. But that doesn't mean that they believe in the Word, that they believe in Jesus. That they believe in him, that he is the word made flesh. They believed in Jesus himself. They believed in the word made flesh. They believed in the word that was sent from the Father for the salvation of the world. The word. They received the word. Not only the word that was preached, but the word itself or himself. They believed in Jesus Because the disciples received not only the word preached, but also because they received Jesus himself as the eternal word made flesh, Jesus knew that he could leave them. Jesus knew that because they had believed that he is the eternal word and because they had the word of God, Jesus knew that they were equipped. They had the tools necessary to carry on the mission which Jesus had given to them. Do you believe in Jesus Christ? Do you believe in Jesus? Do you take his written word and do you hold it close to you? Do you believe the word today? Did you know that if you believe the written word, if you believe the revelation of the written word, which is Jesus, that you have everything you need? You're equipped, not to mention the Holy Spirit, who also works through that continually in us to change us and to transform us. The word of God is powerful. Jesus prays, sanctify them in the truth. Your word is truth. Make them holy by the truth of your word. Jesus' desire is for you to be sanctified in the truth. And in the same way the disciples were sanctified in the truth, Jesus wants you to be made holy by the truth as the disciples were made holy by the truth. Jesus wants you to be set apart for his service as the disciples were set apart for his service. Sanctify them in the truth. Your word is truth. What does that word sanctify mean that's a big church word isn't it this is where we begin to lose a lot of people um, because you know we're not all familiar with the big church words right sanctify them in the truth what does it mean to be sanctified to be sanctified is to be made holy it is to be made holy or we could say it is to be set apart set apart sanctify them in the truth for your word is truth have you been made holy are you holy today have you been set apart by god for his work for his work in this in this sin sick and dying world are you holy have you been set apart if you believe on the lord jesus christ i can say this yes you have been made holy You are holy. You have been set apart. You are sanctified. That's a big word, isn't it? That's a big claim. I wouldn't go out and tell everybody that I'm sanctified. People will probably think you're a little nuts. But you are. You are sanctified. And here's the thing, you have not been made holy by your own goodness. You have been made holy by the blood of Jesus Christ. You have been made holy by the blood which was shed upon the cross for you and your sins, which has washed away all of your unrighteousness. You are holy. You are set apart. You belong to Jesus. Not by works, but by the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ through the holy work of Jesus upon the cross. So to be sanctified is to be made holy and to be set apart for a holy purpose. This is God's gracious work. It is his continual work in your life. This is a process. You're a work in process. You are progressing in sanctification. This is the gracious work of the Holy Spirit through the Word of God. Not only have you been made holy, but God continues to do this work in your heart. He continues to do this work in your heart, and He does it through the Word. He does it through the Word, by which you are growing into the likeness of Jesus Christ day by day, moment by moment. Do you struggle with sin in your life? You struggle with sin? Are there certain temptations that you just can't shake? It seems that you continue to pray and you just can't shake the sin. It's still there. I want you to listen closely. I want you to hear this. If that describes you, welcome to the club. Each and every one of us struggle in our lives with sin. But thanks be to God that we are a work in progress, that he has begun a good work in us. And he's not going to give up. He loves you. He's committed to you. and He'll continue this process of changing and transforming your heart and your mind as you engage in in his word. God is gracious. He doesn't forsake us. He doesn't cast us off. He patiently and graciously works in our lives and in your life through his word. And by the working of his word in your heart and mind, you begin to reflect the image of Jesus Christ. Jesus' desire for you is your sanctification. Jesus' desire for you is that that you would grow in the word Jesus' desire for you is that you would be set apart for his plans and purposes in this world. And Jesus prays for you. He's continually interceding on your behalf. He knows your struggles, He knows your difficulties. And He's praying for you. He's praying, lead my child back to the Word, back to Christ, back to the written Word. So that through those means, he can be changed, or she can be changed and transformed. Jesus prays for you. Not only is Jesus praying for your sanctification, he's praying that that we would also know the power of his name. The power of his name. John 17, uh, verse 11. Here Jesus prays. And I am no longer in the world, but they are in the world, and I am coming to you. Holy Father, keep them in your name. Keep them in your name, which you have given me, that they may be one even as we are one. Do you know that Jesus keeps his own? Do you know that Jesus keeps you? He keeps you. You are precious to him. You are his precious possession, and he keeps you safe. He protects you. He protects you from the one who comes to steal, to kill, and to destroy. He keeps you by the power of his name. How does he protect us? How does he keep us? He keeps us in the power of the name of the one true God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Did you know that you can call on the name of the one true God? Did you know that you can call upon the one who who spoke the universe into existence with a single word? Did you know that you have access to the throne room of God Almighty? You can call out to God. He hears you. He promises to protect you. This is what it means that we have Jesus as our great high priest. He is your great high priest. You can call out to him. He hears you and he promises to keep you. There was a woman in the hospital and she was dying. The chaplain goes to the hospital and there he goes to visit the various people. He walks into this woman's room and He can see that the woman is is suffering in great pain and in great anguish. He also noticed that she was holding on to a crucifix. He assumed, well, she's Catholic. So the chaplain goes up and says, would you like for me to call a priest? And she said, no, thank you. I already have a priest, Jesus Christ, Jesus Christ. You have a great high priest. His name is Jesus. Use his name. Call upon his name. Call upon him. He hears. Hebrews chapter 4 verses 14 through 16. Since then we have a great high priest who has passed through the heavens. Jesus the son of God let us hold fast our confession. For we do not have a high priest who is unable to to sympathize with our weakness but one who in every respect has been tempted as we are, yet without sin. Let us then with confidence draw near to the throne of grace, that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in time of need. You have a great high priest and you can call upon his name. Jesus kept the disciples safe from from every enemy, In the name of the one true God, Jesus prayed that they would be kept safe in the name of the one true God after his departure. Jesus knows that this world is filled with danger. And sometimes we forget how dangerous this world is. Sometimes we forget how dangerous the enemy of our souls is. We forget the power of Satan. So we must be a people of prayer, a people of prayer, calling upon his name. Never become complacent. Never become complacent. Remain faithful in prayer. So not only does He, is Jesus concerned in his prayer about the word and, and uh, the name, that they would be kept in the name, or that we would be kept in the name, but also the mission, the mission, John 17, 18, As you have sent me into the world, so I have sent them into the world. So God had sent Jesus into the world, and in the same way Jesus was sent into the world, God is sending us into the world. Jesus had sanctified the disciples. He had made them holy by the power of the word. And by becoming holy through the word, they were set apart for a mission in this world. You too have been set apart by Jesus. You have been set apart by him for a work in this world. For a missionary calling within this world. You are God's missionary people. Who is the church? Well, we are God's missionary people. We have been called to go into this world. We have been called to go with the good news of Jesus Christ. You are God's missionary. You are the one who was sent to bear witness to the reality of Jesus Christ. Has Jesus done a work in your life? Has he done a work in your life? I hope that each and every one of us can say yes. He has done a work in my life. Has he carried you through dark seasons of doubt and despair? Have you found in Jesus a rock in the midst of the shifting sands of the the circumstances of life? Has he made a difference? Has he done a work? Does he mean something to you? If so, you have a message to tell. It's the message of the power of the gospel at work in your life. It's the message of Jesus Christ, who lived, who suffered, who rose again. It is the message of the one who is at work in your heart and in your mind every day. As the Father sent Jesus, Jesus is sending you. You are sent into this world. And as you go, you go with a message. And it really is, it's, it's really not so much a message about us, but it's a message about him. It's a message about what he has accomplished. It's a message which is, which is grounded in history. History. And that message which is grounded in history history is the message of the cross. That really is the message that the world needs to hear today is the message of the cross. And Jesus does indeed mention the cross in this prayer in John seventeen nineteen. Very interesting. And for their sake, he says in seventeen nineteen, and for their sake, I consecrate myself that they also may be sanctified in the truth. He says, I consecrate myself. A circle that word, consecrate. Or if you have the NIV, I, I think it's sanctify. Jesus consecrated himself. Um, what does this word consecrate mean? What does it mean? Here, the word consecrate or sanctify is used in the Septuagint or this ancient Greek translation of the Old Testament to refer to an animal that has been set apart that has been set apart for sacrifice. That's what that word means. It is used um, in the Old Testament for when they would, they would bring a lamb. And uh, the people would bring a lamb into, into the sanctuary, and it would be consecrated. It would be consecrated for sacrifice. And then the priest would, would take the lamb, and he would slaughter the lamb, and the blood that was shed from the lamb would, would atone or, or cover the sin of the people. Isn't it interesting that Jesus here, when he, says, when he says that he consecrates himself, and for their sake I consecrate myself, that he uses that same word. That word that applies to a lamb that is consecrated for the purpose of sacrifice. Jesus is your high priest. Jesus is your high priest who provides a sacrifice of blood. He provided a sacrifice of blood for the forgiveness of your sins. But but Jesus doesn't slaughter a lamb. The blood of a lamb is not shed. Jesus is the lamb. Jesus is the one who willingly laid his life down upon the cross that his blood would be shed to take away your sins. We cannot really understand John 17, 19 without remembering John 1, 29. And in John 1, 29, uh, actually not Jesus, but uh, John the Baptist says this, He sees Jesus coming, and he points to Jesus. And what does he say? John the Baptist says, behold. Behold what? Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. What a priest. What a priest. Not a priest who slaughters another animal. But a priest who willingly lays his own life down and sheds his own blood for the forgiveness of his people. This is our great high priest. Not only does he, he pray for you continually, he became your blood sacrifice upon the cross. And it's by the shedding of his blood that you have the forgiveness of all of your sins. You see, the Bible says that there is no forgiveness apart from the shedding of blood. The shedding of blood is absolutely necessary for the atonement of our sins. And Jesus is the one who took that punishment for us. I close with a story. In a middle school in the 1950s, a boy stands with back arched and hands clenched He says to the principal, go ahead, give it to me, he says. The principal asks, how many times have you been in my office? The boy says, not enough, I guess. You've gotten the belt each time. Yeah, and I can take whatever you dish out, the boy says. The principal pauses for a moment to think and then quietly says, today you learn about grace. Today, you learn about grace. The boy asked, you going to let me walk? The principal replied, yes, I'm going to let you walk. The boy studies the face of the principal. No punishment? No punishment at all? Oh, there has to be punishment, the principal says. What you did was wrong, and there are always consequences to our actions. I knew it, says the boy as he holds out his hands. Go ahead. The principal takes hold of the belt, folds it in two, and then stands and then hands it to the boy's uh, teacher. He tells the boy, I want you to count the blows. Then the principal then extends his own hand towards the teacher and says, ten strokes. The belt snaps across the outstretched hand of the principal. Shock registers on the boy's face. By the fourth stroke, tears well up in the boy's eyes. Stop, that's enough, the boy yells. But the belt continues to crack across the principal's hands. The boy counts out loud, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten. The principal stands with sweat glistening on his forehead, his hands swollen and red. He reaches over, puts, His swollen hand on the shoulder of the boy, and says just one word grace. Grace. This is the grace of our Savior, Jesus Christ. He is indeed the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. He is your great high priest. He loves you. He says to you today, I forgive you. You are mine. You're invited. Let us be a people of prayer before this great high priest who loves us so much and sacrificed so much for us. Amen.